Cool. <sighs> Are you ready for this? Should have been Keith. <laughs> Welcome to the Survivor Turning Back Time podcast, the Survivor podcast that makes you uh, look into a camera and say thank you, Outback Daddy. Thank you, Outback Daddy. I'm your host, Stephen Levine, with my co-host, Jared Sheldon. Jared, who's your Outback Daddy? They they didn't make her say it. (laughs) They didn't make her say it. She said it. Yikes. (laughs) Jared, how you doing? I'm hurt, Steven. Aw, tell me more. It should have been Keith. <laughs> I can't get past it. Yeah, we're going to hear uh, maybe that a few times this episode. Just throwing that out there. I've heard it a few times in the last two minutes it's taken us to walk from the couch to the computer. I would have been texting you if we would have watched it <laughs> Should have been Keith. Should have been Keith. Jared, have you watched anything other than Survivor lately? No. That's... So... As I mentioned a couple times, I don't know how to enjoy things casually. Sure. And so I, you know, I don't watch that much TV. I mostly play video games. But, like, I've only really been hyper-focused on reading because I'm really into books again. Oh, okay. So Malcolm Gladwell, highly recommend all of his stuff. Um, His most recent book is called The Bomber Mafia, um, and it's about two different styles of... uh, He's not like a history writer, but this is is a book based on history about two different bombing approaches in World War II. And it's kind of a case study in what happens to like truly fanatical believers of things when they are up against the realities that that it's not going to come to fruition. Mm. And like, at least that's where I'm at in the book so far. And how much more people double down on their beliefs when they are shown information that proves it false if they have invested a lot of their personhood into believing it is true Ooh, ooh! so like a good example that he brings up is a cult in the 50s that was uh about a you know that the world's gonna end on this day but there was gonna be like a spaceship or something that was gonna save the true believers they just had to like be at the the cult leader's house when it happened yeah you gotta be at this point at this date and time. After you've paid $30,000 for your... Well, it doesn't seem... As far as I can tell from what I read in the book, it doesn't seem like there's a financial incentive. It just seems like the person who was this cult leader was crazy and actually believed this. Oh, okay. And so it was like they all gathered in her living room and the clock hit and nothing happened. Oh. But then she got a message that, no, I read the dates wrong. It's actually this day. And like that kept happening and they just kept doubling down and kept believing her. Because it was so much more painful to stop believing it than it was to, you know, believe that they were wrong. Yeah, it's so much harder to believe, oh no, maybe I was led astray. Maybe I I didn't see the warning signs. Then harder to admit you're wrong than to say, no, 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 uh, we were slightly, uh, things weren't exactly correct, but it's still happening. The big thing's going to happen. And that's why Colby didn't vote for Keith. <laughs> that's it. That's the moment right there. We we have it. Thank you, Jared. Are you watching anything, Stephen? Uh, <laughs> uh, yes. Yes, I am. Jumping to ulterior motives the reason i asked this question is because i am i i have this thing with old reality tv where i'm like oh yes let's give me more of that netflix added a new adaption of the mole i saw that actually yeah Yeah. and it is it's interesting it's the same the basic premise is the same the game is the same but to see a modern adaptation is very interesting and much less forgiving. Is it good? I haven't decided yet. Okay, okay. It's, so they're doing 
unlike a lot of what Netflix does where they just drop everything and you can binge it right away, mm-hmm. they're dropping it weekly. So I don't think it's completely out yet, but it's pretty close. Mm-hmm. I'm, it's getting toward the end. It's different. They like to hang on cliffhangers more mm-hmm. than the original one. Because the original one, you would end every episode with someone going home. Okay. This one is trying to do the Netflix thing like if you've ever seen shoot what's the there's a show where they're like in an apartment complex and they only communicate through the circle the circle the circle yes they're doing the thing where they do in the circle where oh we can send someone home mid-episode it's okay we can do that we can send two people home in an episode i don't know whatever whatever fits our narrative best i don't care about the formula throw the formula out Someone's going to go home when someone goes home. Someone's going to win this show, depending on how many episodes it takes. Okay. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah. Hmm. But I didn't see the original Mole, so I don't really... Okay. I I know what you're saying as far as format differences, mm-hmm. just like objectively, but I, I don't know the show well enough to know if that if I would like that or not. Sure. If you ever do get the chance, go back and watch the original Mole... Don't watch Celebrity Mole. Celebrity Mole is garbage. Okay. Hot garbage. I hate it so much. I think you've... Yeah, you've recommended it to me before. Yeah. I I really enjoy the mole. Let's see. Thing... Are there any, like, deep dives into old reality TV that you're like, oh, man, I wish I had more of that? No, but this is the breaking news, Stephen. Go on. I was supposed to lose fantasy football. And you're not going to? I probably still will. Okay. But... <laughs> There's eight minutes and forty six seconds left in this Browns Bengals game. Okay, I'm now only down seven points. Wow. Nick Chubb has put up twenty four point four. Jeez. If he can put up one more touchdown and T Higgins continues to be irrelevant because the Bengals only have six <laughs> points, then I can win this game. I can do it. I would be so shocked and so happy. It's not going to happen. Yeah, this means nothing to anyone. <laughs> I'm going to continue to move on. <laughs> Back to emails. Emails. You can once again email us, survivortbt at gmail.com. I stress this because we finished an episode. We came back. I thought I had one email to read. I have two emails to read now in the span of the last hour between recording and watching the TV show that we're talking about. We got another one. You can also, uh, at SurvivorTBT at gmail.com, give us fantasy football start-sit advice. I'm making all the wrong decisions, so just make the right ones for me. It doesn't matter which decision I make. It's always going to be the wrong one. It's true. (sighs) Back to Josh. Josh's email that I was going to talk about and then I pulled back. We have a a lovely Reddit thread, which is really funny. It's just a story, so I want to tell it. This is Amber post-game. So, at the time, we know that Survivor is the biggest media darling, but what what other media darling is going on at the time? April of 2001? Yeah. American Idol. Ooh, I, yeah, close. Think more uh, sitcom. Oh, uh, Friends? Yes. So, (laughs) from Amber, I ended up meeting Jennifer Aniston, too. Sorry if this is off track. This is a direct quote. I'm just reading here. I was in LA having dinner with a friend, a publicist who became a friend. And when we walked in, we noticed Jennifer Aniston, Brad Pitt, Gwen Stefani, and Gavin Rossdale all sitting there having dinner. One of those things is not like the other. Correct. I thought I have to do something because the friend survivor thing was huge at the time. Apparently there's a TV show rivalry I'm assuming they aired at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. So I asked the waiter what kind of wine she was having, and they said Pinot Grigio. I said, send her a glass of wine on me and say, sorry we beat you in the ratings, but I'm still a big fan. This is from Amber. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Which was true, because we'd watched Survivor, we'd watched Friends, we had taped it. So after dinner, I looked back, and they were standing up, waving, waving me over to their table, so I went over and Brad stands up and says, hi, I'm Brad. And I'm like, yeah, no shit. <laughs> I know who you are. Come on. 
But they said they taped the show every week and they loved it. That person sounds very likable. It's a shame we never met her. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Yeah. I That's do a good love story. That. That's a great story. So thank you, Amber, for this bit of humanity that we don't see as much in the show. But we also have an email from oh. Tyler. Uh, hello, from, Tyler. Hello, Tyler. Thank you, Tyler, for uh, for emailing us. I'm not going to go through all of this because it's it's some great where are they now facts from co- contestants that maybe we didn't cover here or like new facts from everyone. Mm-hmm. So I kind of want to do just like the quick rundown yeah. of these things. Sonia used her 2,500 consolation prize to finance an expansion of her church. Okay, that's cool. By starting a cash that would grow into a million dollars in 2007. Whoa! Jeez, okay. And appeared on medical crime drama Diagnosis Murder. <laughs> I love that. Diagnosis Murder. Diagnosis Murder. That sounds like a fake show that would be in a show. Like, you know where they'll, like, show a TV clip of something that's, like, that's within a TV show of itself? <laughs> Diagnosis Murder sounds like a spoof they'd put on. It does. It yeah. sounds like, uh, if, speaking of friends, if... I'm sorry. Breaking news, 41-yard touchdown for T. Higgins. My dream is dead. Let's stop doing this. No more. (laughs) For the record, I have not, like, fact-checked any of this, so if you come back and you're like, that's not true, I'm just reading from an email, man, that I got five minutes ago. (laughs) Uh, Greg apparently became a model for Trump model management. Is that true? Okay. Is that a real thing? I mean... Trump has been in a lot of businesses that sure. failed, so... Yeah. Stacy settled out of court. Jervis was all over the reality TV star or TV shows in many different ways. That makes sense. Susan co-hosted an episode of Live with Regis, interviewing George W. Bush during his inaugural campaign. What? Wait, and Susan appeared in 2001 film Bubble Boy as a waitress? Holy shit. Sue? Yeah. Whoa. That's uh, that's wild. Yeah. I, I don't remember if I mentioned this, but I definitely did read this. Rich, Kelly, Jervis, and Rudy all appeared in a parody of Three's Company. I think, yeah, I don't remember what that was for, but cute. That's fun. And Scoopin considered oh. running for Senate in 2001. He fits the type. Established a self-named company, Michael Scoopin Ministries. He fits the type. And became a part-time motivational speaker. He fits the type. <laughs> Doesn't he, though? Oh, that's beautiful. Jerry appeared on an episode of Young and the Restless. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, Jerry's an actual actress. Well, yeah, that so, makes sense. Yeah. Um, Which, this probably killed her acting career. This it, show. It might have. And I don't know that there was one... I, I think it well. It, I think it killed. It could have killed any chance that she had of having an acting career because yeah. who's gonna like? It, it's it's something Mark Hamill talked a lot a lot about mm-hmm. that he had a really hard time getting roles once he was Luke Skywalker mm-hmm. because it, they would just be like, well, we can't cast you as that. You're Luke, you're Luke Skywalker, you, you know. Um, and so he actually did a lot of Broadway and did a lot of voice acting until he until like the mid two thousands when he you know that mentality started to change maybe like the early 2010s is when i feel like with the rise of social media is when we stopped seeing actors as like the thing we see them on screen sure. like that they're actual people and can play a bunch of different roles and yeah. that's what acting is mm-hmm. but there was a point where once you were labeled as like a thing that was it you couldn't be you know jerry from survivor couldn't be cast as anything other than jerry from survivor yeah but I, I do appreciate Mark Hamill realizing this, taking his talent and going in a different direction with it. Oh, yeah. He's a phenomenal voice actor. Yes. He's so good. I could just sit and watch him do voice acting just on repeat. Unironically, one of the pioneers of the industry, because yeah. voice acting is not that old of an industry. No. And like even things that you're like, okay, he who's doing cartoons? Mm-hmm. He was doing... Uh, Batman cartoons. Yeah. He's the best uh, Joker. He is the best Joker. Hands down. I can't remember if I said that on the podcast, but he is the best Joker. But yes, all that information and so much that I skimmed over because there's a lot of it. Thank you. Beautiful. All from Tyler, aka TV Mania 2 on Twitter. So thank you, Tyler. Okay. Big, big props. 
And like anyone else, you want to send in things, you want to promote yourself, I, I'm cool with it. This is a thing. I give, you give. I'm not just gonna put your stuff out there. But this was a transaction, so thank you, Tyler. <laughs> Am I losing it? That was the weirdest way to put that. It was. Like, yeah, if you said his email, we'll say your name and plug your stuff. Sure. That's the sentence. Well, <laughs> you're correct, but I you don't... You got into the transactional nature of plugging. I don't want to set the precedent that someone's just like, hey, this is my name on Twitter. Say me in your podcast. No, no. I'm not going to do that. That's dumb. Unless you have a funny enough name. <laughs> okay. Ex unless you have a funny enough name, we're not going to promote you unless you give us something in return. And by something, we mean... Good. Sexual favors. No, we mean good, interesting facts about Survivor. Oh, okay. And sexual favors. Bumper. <laughs> All right, so this episode came out on April 19th of 2001. Oh, really, only one major thing happened on this week, which is Joey Ramone of the band The Ramones, American punk singer, you know, I Want to Be Sedated, Blitzkrieg Bop, all that. You've never heard of this band? No, I'm sorry. I'm having a weird out-of-body moment because this morning I was reading my... I have a callback for a show about air guitar, and in the callback, they very specifically talk about Joey Ramone and oh. talk about this person wanting to do a song by the Ramones, but not I Want to Be Sedated. Hmm. It, okay, sorry, go on. Well, he, he died at 49 from lymphoma. Okay, <laughs> there we are. Oh, actually, there was one other thing. A letter between Gail Norton and Jeb Bush is released, stating that the Bush administration has decided to go ahead with plans to auction 6 million acres of potentially oil and gas-rich seabed in the Gulf of Mexico. Oh, shit. That seems like something that should have been a bigger deal. Who did we sell that to? I don't know. And what did we sell? Oh, yeah. We probably sold to private industry. Probably. Uh, the number one song was still the Janet Jackson song, uh, All For You, and Spy Kids still top movie charts, but another one creeped into number two, Bridget Jones' Diary. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. All right. So Bridget Jones' Diary was out and popular around this time. Nice. It's so weird just seeing the snapshot of what the world is Yeah. 21 years ago. One drinking age person years ago. One internet cafe in the middle of the Australian <laughs> Uh Good enough. To, we're jumping into the episode. Episode 13, Enough is Enough. Except it's not. Except it's not the end of the show, so it's not enough. So we're Also, like, going. it should have been Keith. Enough is enough. Enough is enough is enough. Um, yeah. My first thought with this episode, the very first thing that happens is Jeff doing the recap and says, the Ogacore Alliance turned on their own. And I was like, Amber wasn't in their alliance. Let's be real. Amber, Amber was a member of their tribe. She was not a member of their alliance. She is the Sean of their group. But it, Am Amber never broke with them. Never voted against them. Always voted in, in unison. That's true. Amber played a bad game. She played a terrible game. I cannot name somebody with less agency in season two. And is going to be back in All-Stars, so just a ah. reminder. <laughs> there must be stuff we didn't see that made Amber more of an enticing person, and I hope we get to see it, but that's the end of the Amber conversation. <laughs> and this, so this whole episode starts off with them, it's like very early morning out back, it's rained most of the night, and like Roger and Keith are <laughs> going to do what Roger calls their morning bathroom break. They're <laughs> gonna go take a whiz. Yep. And it just it just struck me how resilient Roger is. Mm -hmm. He he mentions it at the end of the episode, but he's the oldest contestant. Um, he is. In the entire season, he is the oldest contestant. Yep. And Older than Marilyn. But it, it's just shocking how well Roger's held up. How they, they comment on it, like he's always the one doing the most around camp. Mm -hmm. Part of that strategy for him as he's talked about in, in a previous episode, part of it's just because that's who he is. He can't just sit around camp and not do stuff. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, it, it's, it's kind of amazing. Like, look at, I know Rudy's older than he is, but like Rudy 
and Rudy was also very resilient, partially oh, yeah. from being a Marine and, and all that stuff. Partially from being just too stubborn to die. Right, yes. <laughs> Local man too stubborn <laughs> to die. <laughs> um, but, like, <sighs> Roger on a tougher season is holding out just as well, if not better than Rudy. Yeah. And better than most of the people on his tribe. Yeah. <laughs> it's wild. Essentially, Roger is is out cleaning up the camp. Is out picking up the damage from what, from the misery of the last couple episodes. Yeah, he's assessed. He's he's so resilient. He's out. He's doing these things every morning, and later in the episode, it shows like he can't sit still for a length like any amount of time, which is amazing. I also was wondering why there's parts of the season that just feel so off, mm-hmm. and it's honestly. It's the gray and overcast. Because we like on in Fiji and in Borneo, the yeah. two things I experience in. Sure. You have storms, mm-hmm. but it is never overcast. Like clouds come in for a storm and then they leave. Sure. It's never just like a gray Seattle-esque day, yeah. which we have plenty of days now in the last few episodes, and it just looks weird. Almost the entirety is some form of either raining or threatening to rain. Yeah. It just feels like you're watching like people camp in a backyard almost. Yeah. Because it doesn't feel, even though it is exotic when you pull out from camp, when we get these like close up shots of like their tent in the woods and it's like gray and like sprinkling a little bit. I'm like, mm. this is just the Midwest. <laughs> like these are just people in a nature preserve. What's yeah. going on? Everything is always wet to the point where Elizabeth woke up on that first day and thought she peed her pants. <laughs> Amazing. I I think that's like, uh, just the, the little things that get me through. I know there is a Survivor Australia. We've talked about this. Yes. I wonder when in the year they filmed that. Well, I don't necessarily know that they go, they don't do it in Australia. Oh, I thought they did. It's, uh, hold up. Because it's, it's Australian people. Fair enough. Interesting. So they do, in some seasons, go to us, stay in Australia, but not all of them. That now that you say that, that makes a lot of sense. I don't know what I was thinking. Well, I, uh, it's weird because I, I'm not going to be. I, I don't know a whole lot about Survivor Australia, so this is a blind spot for me. But from what I'm looking at, they're, they have tried to make this show a thing multiple times. Okay. It, there is a, the first iteration was in 2001. Oh, wow. Where I'm sure they saw it get big in America and they're like, boom, let's do it. And they did it in South Australia. They've been filming right after this was done filming then. Wow. They had two tribes of eight and did 39 days. They then did nothing for five years. Didn't go well. Didn't go well. Did a celebrity survivor in Vanuatu. Okay. In 2006. And then it goes away. And then only to come back again in 2016 with a new what essentially looks like the the current iteration where the host is the same they've had the first two had two different hosts Mm. this new host jonathan lapeglia is an australian actor and television personality yes and they've done one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight seasons. Okay, so it's going well. But they, they kind of mirror American Survivor. Because they have two, and then they have champions versus contenders. So people who won versus people who... No, it essentially looks like David versus Goliath. Oh, okay. But they don't call it that. And they have two seasons of champions versus contenders. That's weird. Interesting. And they have all-stars... Brains versus Brawn, Blood versus Water, and Heroes versus Villains. So they kind of do American Survivor, but out of order. We're way off track. Well, yeah, I'm just I'm I'm curious if like if somebody knows, please write in when they the the seasons of Australia Australian Survivor that mm-hmm. are in the outback. 
when they film. Also, the Outback's huge, so maybe there's areas of it that are easier than others because, like, it can't be this, right? Like, it just can't be this. People wouldn't watch it for five years. <laughs> They're probably in different areas because I don't know. Where is Queensland? I, dude, I don't... Uh, part of Australia. It's one of the provinces. Oh, yes, correct. Though That's where they're going in modern iteration. South Australia was in the old iteration. Okay. Yeah, Queensland is the northeast okay. of Australia. So that's, that's more of the tropical area. Yeah, you could, you're basically right below Guinea if you're on yeah. the, uh, a Papua New Guinea if you're on the tip of it. Versus South Australia, which by uh, logic, I'm assuming, is south. Where in the outback does this season take place? I could not tell you. From, could, they take helicopters a decent distance, so I'm assuming they're up near that kind of Queensland area. Enough that they can get up to the Great Barrier Reef. I was going to look up where the Great Barrier Reef was. It's it's northeast Australia. Okay. But like up, yeah. up above. Fascinating. So this first season is probably also in Queensland. And it's just, I, I all of this to say, our, you know, our, Austral- our limited Australia geography aside, like... There's a better way to do it, clearly. There's a better season. There's a better time to be filming this this show. In every episode, it gets worse. <laughs> Hold on. Oh, yeah. So the tribal council set on the is at the Herbert River Falls. is a plunge waterfall on the Herbert River in Queensland, Australia. Okay. Yeah, so they're way up north here. Closer to the coast than I expected, though. Anyway... All that aside, saying it's the the land is brutal. All of it's brutal. Yeah, this all started because I was saying that like this like wet season and it being um it just being gray, overcast, and rainy doesn't feel like Survivor. No, it's, it's Survivor supposed to take you to far off places that people don't get to see a lot of, and a lot of it is picturesque. This is not. When they zoom out of camp, it is. But when they just start hanging out in camp, boy, it's it's just <laughs> sad. Yeah. I'm going to move on yes. to the reward challenge. The <laughs> Survivor.com reward challenge. Oh, my God. This took up a lot of episode. Uh-huh. For good reason, though. Yeah. You show up. Everyone shows up. All five of them show up to the Survivor Internet Cafe and I am making quotation marks with my fingers, mm-hmm. which is just a a roof with a, what did I write down? Like a sign and a satellite dish. A sign, a satellite dish, and a iMac computer. Yup. First of all, imagine the lag. <laughs> well, okay. It's instant messenger, so it doesn't matter. It's instant messenger, and I guarantee there was lag because they were fighting through rain at part of this True. with a satellite dish. Anyway, yes, they show up. They are competing in a challenge, but they are doing nothing in this challenge. Their families are competing in They're a challenge. Correct. They are sending questions through an instant messenger to their families, and every single family has a camera crew at their place recording this. Yeah, so season one, we couldn't even get all the tapes back in time. And this season, they're like, nah, we're sending a video crew to you. And a a laptop. I doubt these families own these laptops because they're all the same laptop. Correct. Those are CBS laptops right there. Yes, correct. And we're going to film you for this to do this (laughs) one challenge. Did you have these IMAX in your elementary school? I don't think so. I did. This is a very specific iMac to me. It's mm. the Mac with a clear back, and they came in a bunch of different colors, and they had a, a big handle, like expecting you to carry them somewhere, <laughs> like they were portable, but they were not portable. They were big and chunky. Ah, yes, the GameCube approach. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but even the GameCube is much more portable than this sucker. But one of those was my first DVD player ever. Huh. Yes. It was beautiful. <laughs> yeah, no, we had Dells, I think. Oh, okay. In my school. Like, nondescript Dells. Sure. For all of my elementary school, the person in charge was a Mac fanatic. 
And I know this because I got to hang out with him a lot. I learned a lot from him. He was a Mac fanatic, and he resisted going to PCs, even though it was probably cheaper and probably much easier for the district as a whole to use PCs. Yeah. But he's like, no, no, no. Apple all the way. God damn it. It was great. It was so good. I don't like apples. I, I don't like what Apple has become. I apples. This is really nerdy, but like apples, way too closed loop for me. You mm-hmm. you can't really like customize Apple stuff like Correct. software, and drives me crazy. Okay, I want to be able to rip my computer down to the bolts and start over if I want to. Sure, and I have. All right, and I will again. <laughs> this this challenge is so cringy in 2021, okay. 2022. Tell me more. It's 2022. It is 2022. <laughs> It's like it's watching them. It's almost 2023. It's almost 2023. Watching them chicken peck at the keyboard. <laughs> watching them be so amazed by something that we just. I have a stronger computer in my pocket right now. Yeah. Hell, with my diabetic pump, I have two stronger computers in my pockets right now. Correct. I I get that it was a crazy spectacle at the time. It was novel. It's very novel. This is the cringiest reward challenge. This is the world phone from season one. Yes. Yes. Yes, it is. So what happens is they sit down at the computer, get one line. They they can type one message. And I don't know. They didn't like specify a character limit. I don't it's, think there was one. No, they could just type as much as they want. And then the family would respond with one message and that was it. And then to start the challenge, here's a list of five questions, one of which is we've seen before. Except they worded it differently. Correct. So they did that on purpose. Yeah. Those assholes. Anyway, <laughs> it was very heartwarming. All in all, everyone was feeling the love and feeling a connection that they desperately needed. Yeah. And this is also a challenge you couldn't do now because they could just Google it. Correct. (laughs) The family could just Google it. Absolutely correct. (laughs) My favorite response was when Colby sent out his long heartfelt message and what was it? His mom? Yeah. Yeah. His mom just said, hi baby or something along that line. It was it. I don't know if she accidentally hit send or what, but that was it. And at first he was, he cried immediately. At first I was like, oh no, she screwed up. But no, he loved it. Yeah. He loved it. It was cute. Yeah. I mean, these people are desperate to talk to anyone that isn't Jeff or the people in their tribe. I don't blame them. I don't blame them either. (laughs) And also a, a small point to, it was, it was a welcome refreshment that they all got coffee and pastries yeah. while they did this challenge. Yeah. Like, everyone got a reward. So, let's talk time zone, shall we? Ah, uh, yes. These people are definitely doing this in the middle of the night. So I looked it up. It is from Australia, which I do believe is in one time zone, but I could be wrong. The um, entire continent of Australia? I think so. No. Absolutely not. It's in, like, four. Okay, yeah, you're probably right. I just really, when I Googled it, it didn't specify, so I thought it was in one. It doesn't matter. I, uh, if it, if it did default to one, it would have defaulted to the, to the one on the east anyway, because that's where Sydney is. Yeah. So the time difference between that time zone and the eastern time zone of the United States is nine hours. Okay. So it seems like they probably did this challenge first thing in the morning, this reward challenge. They probably, you know, like if you do it at like 10, 11 a.m., then to every, to them, it's, Eight or nine, or you know, seven or eight p.m. when you start. It's sixteen hours ahead of us. I mean, it's that's the same thing. Sixteen hours, eight hours the other way. Fair. Okay. <laughs> I get what you're saying. Dif- it, okay. Yeah. They just had to arrange it so that it was morning and evening. Yeah. You write. Were there any of the questions that jumped out to you more than the others? Just the one that we had definitely heard before about the poisonous snakes. They they did the thing, but they did it as a trick question, where back in the trivia challenge where they were on the tribal, essentially the tribal council area, they asked the question about, of the top 10 snakes in the world, how many live in the Australian outback? And it was like nine. Yeah, of the venomous snakes. Yeah, yeah. of the venomous snakes. In this way, they worded it, 
of the top 10 venomous snakes in the Australian Outback, how many live in the Australian Outback? No, they did. It was slightly different than that. They said of the top 10 most venomous snakes in Australia, sure. how many live in the Outback? Sure. Which is still shitty wording because they're trying to catch you on it. Absolutely. It's all of them was the answer. Yeah. But it just, it was dumb. And so Tina's family gets four out of five correct. Yeah. And wins. They don't tell us which four. I'm nope. interested, but they don't tell us. No, and it, it was a pain to watch these families try to type on a keyboard oh, that man. they clearly have no experience on. But typewriters are a thing. Oh, and also, yes, typewriters are a thing. And also, none of their families are actors. No. No, no. one on the other, none of them that have the camera crew there are actors. They are doing, they're, they're doing a bad job. They're doing a, like, the, the families are all like, oh, we got a message. I'm like, oh, no. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, all bad actors. But let's talk about the elephant in the room. Oh my god. <laughs> so. It should have been Keith. <laughs> so they all got to. Tina won, mm-hmm. but everyone gets to say a goodbye message mm-hmm. and gets a response from their family. Everyone says goodbye, and then we get to Keith. Mm-hmm. Keith asks his girlfriend to marry him. Through instant messenger while he's on Survivor. Yup. Which, she did not look excited. She did not look excited. I, even if she wanted to say no, mm-hmm. how do you? How do you say no on national television? When there's a camera crew in your face. Uh-huh. And you can't talk it out. You can't talk it out. You can't, you can't even say, let's talk about this later because that, that might not be a no, but it's going to feel like a no. Yeah. And also knowing you're not going to get to talk to them for at minimum 10 more days, like in person. Yeah. Like eight days until they're done with the show and then two days to fly home. Yep. So. Yeah. Fucking yikes. How to put your partner in a no win situation. Hope probably your ex partner. Yeah. I want to look it up, but I will do it later. We could have looked it up right now. We could have. Should have been Keith. It wasn't Keith. (laughs) It was, no, this is classic narcissist behavior to me. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to be an armchair psychologist and be like, Keith is 100% a narcissist, but this is narcissistic behavior. Mm -hmm. This is, uh, you know, you're, you're making this moment that should be about the two of you all about you. You're taking all the power away from the other person and you're doing it as a Coley calls him out on it as a bit of a show. Yeah. Like you're trying to like win. I mean, you know, he's playing the jury a little bit. That's fine. That's part of the game, but I, this fell out of bounds. It, the whole thing was just a big yikes for me. Wait, let's talk about that. Cause Keith says something along the lines of he had an ulterior motive for proposing online. You mean Colby? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Colby says that about Keith. I don't know why I keep mixing those two words in my brain. Yeah, they're similar. Yeah, Colby says that Keith has an ulterior motive for proposing online. What do you make of that? I, trying to get goodwill. Trying to recreate the Jervis had a baby moment. Oh, like this is a, this is a, I want to win over the jury moment. Yeah, and like, or win over the tribe so you don't get voted off. That's insanity to me. I don't know if it was the main reason he did it, but I would be... I would not be surprised if it was a... It was it a was reason. A reason he did it. Sure. It's just... Yeah. I... I I've, I've, I can scream into a microphone as much as I want about how much I hate Keith. Yep. The show was recorded 20 years ago. Yep. But it should have been Keith. Yeah. <laughs> here we are, though. And here we are. <laughs> oh, also, I want to point out um, how good of a game Tina's played. I haven't really talked about Tina hardly at all. Okay. That's kind of part of her game, too. Mm, to, to lay low and... Uh... Yeah, I mean... Hell, think about it this way. At the end of this episode, Roger goes to Tina and says, Hey, if you're going to get rid of me or Elizabeth, get rid of me. Crazy. Like, yeah. Tina has made these personal connections with people to the point that she has so much power that people that are worried about going home are going to her... 
and asking her to vote for them instead of the other person they care about. She's low-key calling shots here. Yeah. But she's calling shots without being in the driver's seat. Yeah. She is... Uh, yeah, no. She's she's playing a fantastic and underappreciated game. Yeah, I would agree with that. Real, a real, real nice piece of work from Tina. Yeah. We get back to camp after this challenge. Everyone is still wet, and the rain is still happening... But suddenly, the spirits have been lifted. People are playing frisbee. Yeah. The <laughs> life is back in camp. It's great. It, it was a great time for a pick-me-up challenge. We yeah. really needed one. <laughs> and then we we go out. We're we're taking our whatever stroll to take a dump somewhere. And yeah, this is what I was talking about at the beginning of the episode. It actually, I forgot it happens. So Keith and Kentucky Joe are taking a walk after the night of miserable rain where it puts out their fire. They're thinking they're going to have to start a fire again. I don't know how they with, would. I would say with no matches. Yeah. And then they stumble in some amazing streak of luck. They stumble upon a log that is on fire. Like a full-on piece of tree that is on fire just in the middle of nowhere. Nothing else seemed to be on fire around them. No. And they said it had been, they're like, been smoldering for days. And I'm like, that doesn't sound right. Citation needed? <laughs> yeah. I feel like more was hit by the lightning storm that happened the night Last before. Last night. Yeah. yeah. But, all right. If you want to say this is from the, the wildfires. You can say it's from the fucking Mesozoic era. It doesn't matter. It doesn't you, matter. At least you got fire now. Shit's, shit's on fire, yo. Shit's on fire, yo. <laughs> <laughs> and then they, uh, they take that back to camp and they have their own... Special Outback Television, where everyone stares at the fire for a long period of time. So I do want to take this moment to drag Keith one more time. Go on. It won't be the last time this episode. No, it won't. I said a few episodes ago about how Keith has anti-charisma. He makes everything around him less interesting. And this was a really good example of it. Because this is a really interesting thing. Roger and him go to use the bathroom. They stumble upon literal wildfire that saves them from having to start a whole new fire when they are out of matches and everything is wet. Yeah. Perfect. And then Keith mumbles about how like, oh yeah, now, now you know how the caveman got fire and it was sitting there and... Energy out of the room. <laughs> no, like, it is no longer interesting. And to the people around, like nobody even like talks about it or celebrates it after that. Anti-charisma. Suck it out of the room. Yup. <laughs> and then we get the uh we get the roger build-up yeah it's this is the uh roger's great we love roger roger's going out of his way to help the camp when he really doesn't need to roger's born to die roger <laughs> this episode roger will be going away soon <laughs> in case you we didn't make that clear enough survivor has this problem at this stage where they are having a full-on essentially a profile of these people when they're about to be voted out. Except for the last two episodes. No, I feel like they're definitely... Where was Amber's profile? That's fair. Where was Nick's profile? Well, Amber's profile was at the beginning of the episode. That's fair. That's fair. I feel like they're trying to sneak it in different ways, but they're definitely doing a profile on these people, but in trying to be sneaky about it and not being very sneaky about it. Okay, you're right. Yep, Amber did have hers. That's true. Yeah. Or just that moment of everyone's talking about this one person for no good reason. Mm, mm -hmm. So here we are. They're going home. <laughs> Immunity challenge. Oh, you skipped over something important. Go on. The rice. Oh, yeah. T tell me more. Just go on. Elaborate. So you just want... I, Take the reins. Welcome back to Jared's fuck Keith corner. <laughs> so... Keith goes on some type of cooking experiment with the rice that is unclear to me. It's something about like mixing the brown and the white rice together. And Colby has a full on blow up. Yeah. It is the first time we see Colby have a blow up that isn't just a confessional. It's the first time we see him have a blow up with anyone like interpersonally, including Jerry. <laughs> he did not blow up, but you know, that was seven days ago and the longer you're there the worse it gets it's true but he blows up at keith about using way too much rice he was and he, he was. was he 1000 percent was and it actually made me go 
Maybe the show did give them enough rice. <laughs> Maybe, or, no, I think it's probably somewhere in the middle. I think the show probably didn't give them enough rice and Keith uses too much rice. But but he didn't learn his lesson from last time. Because he, because he cannot admit a mistake. Sure. We see, Colby is calling him out saying, that thing you're saying right now is the opposite you said three days ago. Yeah. Stop wasting our rice. And he goes, I didn't say that. And we don't see him say that, but... I'm sure he did. It's a pretty vivid memory for Colby. Yeah. Colby calls him a bozo. <laughs> in his confessional. In his confessional. In his confessional. It's just... Strategy-wise, I'm not surprised that they voted Roger off. And mm-hmm. I will not be surprised next week when they vote Elizabeth off. Because if Elizabeth gets to the final two, she wins the game. Fair. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think maybe Colby could have an argument if they can convince them, like, strategy over likability. Mm-hmm. I mean, Colby's also likable, so that helps. But probably Elizabeth will go home next week if she doesn't win immunity. And strategy-wise, that makes total sense. But I I was convinced. I was like, Colby's going to vote him out. Mm. And Colby was convinced Colby was going to vote him out. He might have. He said it in a future confessional where he said, who I vote for today is not the same as who I was planning on voting for yesterday. That's fair. (laughs) Oh, boy. Jared, you know, I wish you had some strong opinions about things. (laughs) Just any any one thing in particular. You're just uh, feeling pretty bland today. I'll die on any hill. (laughs) Any hill. Like the Tribal Council Hill. But right now, immunity challenge. I don't know where I'm going with this. Immunity challenge. <laughs> the prisoner story game. <sighs> a, a nice throwback to season one. We're we're rehashing things in new ways. Yes. Essentially what this episode is. So we're starting the immunity challenge. The Jeff tells a story and you're all chained up challenge. So... I, I did a one, my favorite play in existence is called Our Country's Good. It is a is a play about the first prisoners that landed in Australia, the first okay. prisoners and first uh, uh, officers. Sure, and it is a very well researched historical play based on diaries and journals from that first convict ship, okay, or convict uh, fleet. And it is actually required reading in Britain, similar to how like mm. To Kill a Mockingbird is here. Yeah, wow. Um, yeah, I mean. In some places. <sighs> yeah, sure. Some places are trying to get rid of it. And for similar reasons, because a lot of times the uh, it, it wasn't a racial component, but it was like a, a poverty one that would get people sent off. These prisoners were not shackled. No. In Australia. The land was their prison. Yes. Unless you were being punished for a specific thing, and they did build jails. That was the first thing they built was a jail. In Australia. <laughs> but they weren't just like shackled walking around the island. No, they were sent away. This it, is a, a term of punishment to isolationism. Yes, it's called tra- it was called transportation. Yeah. That was the, the sentence. The thing that they tried to do to uh, Napoleon like four times. Yes. Well, that's exile, but yes. Fair. But exile with people around and clearly no one stopping him from coming back. I'm off track. Essentially, this challenge is Jeff telling inaccurate stories. Yeah. I mean, and and some survival facts that need giant asterisks needed <laughs> once again. So everyone is chained up. They have five locks on them. Full-on shackles on the around the ankles, around the wrists. They, they're doing their best to jangle themselves around this whatever. It's a, essentially a field with some knee-high grass. And then they're asked questions about the story that Jeff was telling. This story is easier than the season one story. It is. The facts are much more objective. In the season one story, there was many times where I was like, that, is that what he said? Yeah. <laughs> no, the, it, the, the biggest difference is that the questions were not word for word what yeah. Jeff said. Like in season one. You had to extrapolate from the data that was given. And you knew right away if you were right or wrong, as opposed to recording yourself giving the answer for Jeff to watch it and tell you if you're wrong later. Yes, but I did appreciate that there was a form of punishment in this where you didn't know 
um, you didn't know immediately if you were right or wrong, mm-hmm. but you were still, you wasted time. Yes. So they would have two keys. One key would open one of your locks, and the other key would just open nothing. So yeah. you had to try all your locks. It, would, uh, it seemed like the first key would open any of your locks, because they only have five locks and there's eight keys. And I saw a lot of them use the same key on different spots on their body. Okay. But you still have to put it in there and... Like, it's like a USB stick, right? If you don't have it in the right way, or if you don't have it in all the way, it's not going to work, and then you have to flip it and try different ways, and... Nice. Any questions that jumped out to you? I didn't write any questions down. I thought they were... Bolters were... It was an interesting... I don't know if that was true or not. The people who tried to run away from... Oh, yeah. Bolters bolters. bolters seemed... If it wasn't right, it seemed right. Yeah. Uh, The one that got me... Okay. Bats will lead you to fruit that is ugly but edible. Birds will lead you to fruit that is pretty but inedible. What? Did they say fruit or did they say food? Maybe it was food. It could have been food. It could have been like flowers versus actual fruit. Sure. But like, that cannot be a hard and fast (laughs) rule. It's not. And I don't think it should be. (laughs) Also, like, how the hell are you following bats? Yeah, I bats fly around in the dark. Yeah, my dude. None of that was every other question. I was like, oh yeah, forty. They've been here for forty thousand years. That makes sense. Oh yeah, bolters. That makes sense. Follow the bats. Follow the bats. Oh, okay. Honestly, Jared, and I pointed this out to you. The, my biggest takeaway from this is that we showed a production member in a shot. <laughs> That's true. They, they're showing the questions, like they're doing pans of the, the signposts. Where the you, B-roll. Yeah. And in one of the pans, I think it's the third one, they show a production member just like in the background walking around. I'm like, that is not someone we should be seeing. <laughs> Did they get paid for their on-screen time? <laughs> <laughs> Biggest takeaways from this challenge. One, production in the shot. Two, Roger sucks at this. Roger does suck. Roger did the Rudy performance of this challenge. Yeah. He did not get a single question correct. Not a one. It, it wasn't as funny as when Rudy screwed them all up. No. Though. When Rudy would just look in the camera and go, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, we're cheering for Roger. We weren't cheering for Rudy. That is true. <laughs> No, and the dumbest part of this challenge is what I just kind of alluded to when you when you said Keith um, instead of Roger. Yep. You had to when you unlocked all your locks, you had to come back and bring Jeff all of the locks. Yeah. Why? I think they wanted this to happen. They wanted the scenario where you get all of your locks out and then suddenly you have lost a lock because you can't carry five locks and try to unlock yourself. It's, it's it's such an unnecessary hurdle. Like, it doesn't fit the nar- narrative of the challenge. Like, yes. if you're doing a jailbreak, you don't want to keep your shackles with you. No. If, like, it's there's no, like, game component of it. Like, there's no way to cheat getting the shackles off so that you have to show him you have all five off. Mm-hmm. That's, no. No. So, yeah, you're right. They must have just done it to inject drama into the challenge. Correct. It's bad challenge design. It's bad challenge design or good challenge design because it works because Keith drops his lock and doesn't win because of it. I mean, it fucks over Keith, and I'm always an advocate for that. (laughs) But So Keith gets back to Jeff with his four locks instead of five. And Jeff's like, no, 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 you need five. Like, you go find go find the last one. Are we going to get an immunity challenge where Jeff doesn't break, like, narrator voice and talk to Keith and go, you're not, no, stop. That's not right. <laughs> no. The answer is no. <laughs> so Colby comes in, swoops in at the last second and wins. Nobody else was close. Yeah. Nobody else was close. Colby's a challenge beast. Colby is a challenge beast. That is this third straight... Immunity, immunity and he's won the last two rewards as well no yeah. wait tina won that tina doesn't really count i don't really count that though because tina didn't do anything tina didn't that. win and colby didn't lose tina's family won yeah he won the two rewards before that <laughs> right cowboy and what was the one before that oh it was auction yeah then before that it was great barrier reef yeah so the ones that are actual the ones that were winnable yeah exactly were won by colby correct let's jump right into travel because really nothing happened between yeah, the only thing I had is that um, Elizabeth has a confessional as they're getting ready to go to tribal, or mm-hmm. she's like, 
you know, it might, it's probably going to be Roger going home, but it seemed like Coley was really frustrated with Keith, so maybe he'll vote for him. And I'm like, ask him! Yeah. Ask him who he's going to vote for! Please, you can do that. That's you a thing. You can talk to him! I don't remember if we mentioned it earlier in the show, but there was a really sweet moment where uh, Roger knew it was either him or Elizabeth, and he essentially falls on the bullet and says, send send me home. Like, he's talking to Tina yeah. and saying, send me home, because... I am better off. Like, I own this whatever company. He basically said his, her family has a bunch of medical debt, so yeah. send me home instead. Send me home. Which, I'm, assu- I'm assuming he knows that she's not going to win, but I, I'm assuming the, like, paycheck or the per diem per how many days you make it in yes. Survivor is much better as a contestant than as a jury member. And for all we know, it could be um, tiered. So like maybe fifth place gets oh, it absolutely more than is. sixth place. Yeah. It absolutely is tiered. I don't know where the tiers are. And what Ooh, sure, I, mean, I guess is. what I'm saying. Yeah, final, or sorry, final five to final four mm-hmm. could be a tier break. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And then we get into tribal and really the only thing I wrote down is that Roger is Outback Daddy. <laughs> Outback Daddy. I hate it. Elizabeth says it, and it's... And she says it wholeheartedly. She says it. I feel like... 2001, like, that wasn't... That phrase wasn't as loaded. No. (laughs) Like, the word daddy was still being used for both things. Yeah. It still is some places, especially in the South, but... um, No! That's not what I meant by that. Okay. That's not what I meant by that. But it is now. It is now. (laughs) Anything else you want to talk about? I don't think so. No. I'm, does Roger come back? Roger does not come back. Okay. I was no. wondering because he's... I mean, Rudy comes back at the age of 973. <laughs> but Correct. Roger does not come back. Roger is is done, but he is still a, a, a fan of Survivor. He's, I'm sad he doesn't come back. He's Man, watching a lot of Survivor. He's such a good person. I don't know. Like, Yes, he's a good person. They have so many people from Australia yeah. in All Stars. Yeah. And by the time you're getting to the point where they're doing, like, these second chance seasons... He's in his 70s. He's too old to play this game. Yeah. No, I... It just makes me sad because Roger is such a wholesome and genuine person Mm -hmm. that we just don't get more of him. That's... He's, like... As far as, like, how I think he'd do now, before we get to the where is he now, like... Honestly, he's probably, like, a sneaky Final Four or winner because everyone... Everyone loves him. Everyone in his tribe loves having him around. He, I think he's one of those people that seems like, you know, in a modern day survivor would seem like so little of a threat that he would just sneak on by. And I think in a game that requires more interpersonal connections Mm -hmm. and strategy on that level, yeah, I think he'd kill it. I think he would have to be in a season with all returners because if it's just him as a returner, and people who have seen what he does and see him as a good person and know he's a really good person, he's an easy first vote. I should clarify, when I say, when I'm giving these where are they, or, or how I think they do in today's Survivor, I'm uh-huh. saying pretend they never played the game. Sure. And that and their first time was season 43 or 44 or 45. Fair. And yeah, I think he'd make it really far doing that. Yeah. But you're right, if people saw how good a person was, he'd be like, oh shit, we cannot let that guy get to the end. Absolutely not. No. And after he's done with Survivor, he he goes around the country doing speaking engagements and autographs and like people love to see him and we're happy to see him succeed. 2004, he accepted a position with the Kentucky Department of Ag. Oh, good for him. And in 2019 built a a wedding venue on his farm. Okay. To like doing do- barn weddings before it was popular. Yeah. Well, uh, 2019. Oh, you said 2019. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I misheard you. Very much in the trend. When it was popular. Yeah. Or when it is popular. Uh, He does state in this article, though, this is an Entertainment Weekly article, which these are the people who have been reaching out to past survivors. Apparently, they were meant to skydive into Australia. What the fuck? Apparently, they all were sent to, like, skydiving training. No wonder they all looked fucking nervous as hell on the plane. <laughs> but apparently, they scrapped that pretty last minute, stating insurance reasons. Yeah! Yeah, oh, absolutely. You know how hard it is? Like, 
there's a reason why a lot of skydiving is done in areas where there's not a whole bunch of trees. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've been paying attention to the, <laughs> the, the, the nature that this season's been in. There's trees everywhere. Yes, there is. Can you imagine just like you get blown off course and you just like fall into like seven crocodiles? Well, what, how would you do? Would you do that with? I'm assuming you have to have a guide for every single person. Maybe because you're not letting them do solo jumping. Well, that would be the whole point of the training, so that they can get to the point where they're solo jumping. They cannot be solo jumping. I don't know how long it takes to get to solo jumping. You have to do a certain amount of of jumps with an instructor attached to you before you can solo jump because when you jump there is a high likelihood that you will pass out immediately Mm. from either the g-forces or the your body going into shock that you're falling hey steven yeah the fact that we are having this conversation is insane yeah (laughs) this was an actual conversation that was had by survivor production Hey, uh, yeah, we we really want to add a twist at the beginning of season two. Mm-hmm. What if we just yeeted them out of the airplane? <laughs> and they went, yeah, all right. Until the last minute? Yeah. Insane. Until, until an insurance company said, no, you can't do that. Insane. <laughs> Insane. Their disregard for human beings' lives on this. Like, they, this show got a little too big too fast where they're like, all that crazy shit we did in season one worked. Let's just keep doing crazy shit. I really hope he's pulling this newspaper's chain because that is insanity. Absolute know. insanity. You take Roger for a guy who's going to lie? No. Yeah. Uh. Okay. Roger said early on with the challenge that was cliff diving that he doesn't do heights. Correct, which is what, in in the article it says it's one of his greatest achievements on the show. Is The he, cliff diving? He conquered the cliff diving. And and they were just going to throw him out of an airplane. Yeah. Wow. Your protagonist of the episode. Yeah. I mean, I do feel like it's Roger this episode. As mm-hmm. you talk, kind of talk about, we get the Roger spotlight. Mm-hmm. And Roger's like, Roger kind of lays down and accepts his fate, but... He really makes himself the shield for Elizabeth and does that, you know, actively. Uh, if it wasn't for that, I think they probably would have voted Elizabeth instead of him. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Plus, I want to honor him by making the protagonist of the episode because he's the kindest person we've seen on season one or two. Yeah, he's a good guy. And so I shall give him the highest honor I can. A bumper. That'll do it for this episode of the Survivor Turning Back Time podcast. Uh, final four. Final four, baby. Final four. Yeah. And not one episode. By all means, it should be one episode. Yeah. But here we are. We're going to watch Elizabeth go home, and then we're going to watch the final three. <laughs> My predictions were almost entire. Like, like uh, the order of specific people was off, but the mm-hmm. trends of the season were pretty much exactly on. Sure. Who wins? I. I it's Colby. Okay. If it's Keith, we're ending this podcast. <laughs> it is done. No more podcast. No more podcast. Good to know. Um, I do think the final two is going to be Colby and Keith, though. Okay. Yeah. And I just think Colby gets more votes. Jerry will probably vote for him. <laughs> you think, well... Because the other option's Keith in this scenario. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. But I, my, I would love it to be Elizabeth or Tina, but Wouldn't I don't think nice. it's going to be either of them. Cool. <laughs> Well, you will find out in the next week's two episodes. Correct. Yep. So we got we have two left. We will be watching our movie Gone sometime this weekend. Probably. Or on Wednesday. Yeah. That'll come out whenever it comes out. That may not be in sequence. It might come out between seasons, actually. Yeah. So be on the lookout for that bonus episode. Should be fun. Anything you want to promote? Yeah. It should have been Keith. It should have been Keith. That's a good thing to promote. No, I, I would I would I would like to permit promote just in honor of Roger, just being kind. Yeah. I've said it before, um, but we have new listeners, so you don't necessarily have to be nice, but be kind. Be kind. I'm trying my best to not say rewind. But God damn it. Here we are. I did it anyway. <laughs> 
They're making a sitcom on the last blockbuster. A sitcom? Mm -hmm. Stars, uh, what's the leading lady from uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine? Which one? Uh, Amy. Oh, uh, I can't remember her name off the top of my head. I'm terrible with movie star names. Same. So, yeah. I'm going to promote finishing your podcast. We have worked on this one for longer than we should have. That's not that bad. Okay, that's fair. You took a phone call in the middle. That's fair. (laughs) All right, fine. I am going to promote video games. Video games make me happy. Okay. Let's uh, do things to make you happy. Yeah, do things to make you happy. Yeah. Do drugs. No. Damn it. Well, that'll do it for this episode. Uh, for my co-host, Jared, this is Steven. For my host, Steven, this is Jared. So I'm sure that time podcast does not advocate the use of illegal drugs. I've said it before. I will say it again. Don't do drugs. But Jared may say differently. Goodbye. Bye-bye. What is wrong with us? <laughs>